the Psalms, as we talked about a little bit last week, are, bo- are both a, a, a kind of a two-way thing. They're both a reflection. Primarily, as you read it, read it as a reflection of, of humans who have experienced God then um, responding. And so as a, so the songs here that we just did and the, the Psalms uh, in there are, are really our response to God based on our experience of who He is. And yet they're also embedded in the sacred scriptures. And so they're not just our response uh, to God, but it's also God, Scripture, His Word to us. And so um, that's one of the reasons that Psalm 1, which we looked at last week, reminds us uh, as an introduction really to the whole book of Psalms to, to use these as a way to interact but also receive back from God. It's a giving and then a receiving. Actually, it's a receiving first and then giving and then a receiving and a giving. It's a, it's a cycle. Um, that happens and that Psalms helps us to do that. Um, my, my goal in this series is to give you an opportunity to, to think about and to see the, div- the variety in the Psalms and to see how they can be used uh, in your life to lead you into worship and to better worship who God is and experience who He is. But I also hope um, that you will find them to be a very practical guide for your life. For example, if you're frustrated and angry with God, and by the way, if that hasn't happened to you, it will. What do you do with that? What do you do when, when God hasn't done what you were pretty sure He was supposed to do? The Psalms give you a roadmap and a direction to be able to use it. There are Psalms of, of lament um, that you can take up and you can read and say, This is God, this is how I feel too. You know, the psalmist cries out, How long, O oh Lord? How long? You know? He doesn't say, Oh God, I'm a little impatient. How long? <laughs> What are you doing? And so you know what that says? It's, you know what? Sometimes we can do that to God too. But at the end of the psalm, and we'll talk about this when we get into laments, the psalmist says, but Lord, I, I trust in you. Even though I'm not satisfied with, I trust in you. And so it allows us to express what we feel and who we are and what's going on, but it also brings us back to that place where we continue to have community with God and with other people. Um, it's very, very powerful and very helpful for us. The other thing that I would encourage you to do as we go through this series for the next um, really six weeks is I would encourage you to read the Psalms in between. You don't have to read the Psalm we're going to do, but to read the Psalms uh, in between. I I did that this week, and I expect to do that in the weeks to come. Uh, But what I discovered that my kind of thought this week was the reality that, that so often the psalmist talks about God looking, God's gaze uh, upon you, His smile, and I, I realized that as the psalmist was interacting with God and singing these hymns, the desire was, God, God, look on me. See what is happening. Now, you know, one, God doesn't have eyes, and two, it's not that God doesn't know, but the psalmist longs for God to be aware because he knows as God watches over him, his protection and provision will be there. But as Psalm 1 told us, if we decide to go the opposite way from God, off, off of the path, you know, that lead, that, of the righteous then the reality is, is, is those, the, the, the sense of God's protection, the sense of God's provision, the sense of His watching over us, we, we lose. Not because God doesn't know, but because we've chosen to go away. So it's very, for me, it was very helpful to go, you know, do I, Paul, do I really want God to watch me? Because that means He's, you know, I mean, not that He's not watching, but um, sometimes, you know, we want God to watch us and bless us and take care of us. Sometimes we kind of prefer that God would look at something else for a while so we can do what we want to do. You know, and so it, it, it created, a, a, hopefully, some very thoughtful ideas in my head and, and some real questioning of my own heart. And I think the Psalms can do that for us. Um, 
Today's psalm is Psalm uh, 8. Uh, it's my, actually my dad's favorite psalm. Um, for quite a while, he would quote this psalm, and he, but he had no idea where it was in the Scripture. I think after about 20 interactions on this psalm, he now knows where it is um, in the Scriptures. But it's, it's his favorite. It's, it's a hymn of praise. Um, and I would say a hymn of perspective. Um, and a hymn of praise is basically we praise God for what we have experienced about Him. Um, you know, we praise what we find to be amazing, don't we? Uh, if you go and you see, go to the mountains and you see this incredible mountain range, um, you know, you, you naturally praise God. But let's say that, uh, and we were at Mont Blanc here uh, recently uh, for a wedding uh, with some friends, and it was beautiful days and just gorgeous. Um, we went up, I don't know, uh, is it Agui de Midi or whatever, where the highest station, I didn't say that right, but, you know, where you could see out. And it just, it was, it was awesome and a little terrifying, <laughs> you know. One fall and, you know, you can shout for a long time before you hit that rock, you know. And, and you look out and you just, you know, it's amazing. And, and it brings forth praise. Now, I would suspect, and not to be uh, politically incorrect, that for someone who was blind who went up there, they would have a different experience. Not that it would be a bad experience. They might have a more heightened experience in terms of the feelings, other feelings in terms of hearing. But, but, but what I saw would be different than what they experienced. And so praise is a reflection of our experience. And so if we don't have much praise for God, that means probably at that time we're not having much experience uh, with God at all. There's lots of different ways to look at this psalm. I prefer to kind of think about the psalm in this way. There's a premise at the beginning of the psalm, uh, which is part of what we, we sang and we'll look at, but it's, the, you know, um, it's this idea of, Lord, your, your name is majestic, and it fills the earth. That's the premise. You know? uh, and then there's a, the second section of the psalm is the supporting evidence and the practical conclusion of this. You know, okay, it's one thing to say you know, this is true, but why is it true? What makes it true? And then there's, at the end, a restatement of that premise, but in a different way. Or I would say this, it's the same words, but as you, as, you, as you sing it or as you read it, there's a different feel. Because now it's not just something I hope is true. It's something I say, I know it's true. And you participate differently in something that you know and believe. The premise is, O Lord, our Lord, your name is majestic and it fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. It's basically saying this, that Lord, the Lord is our God in time and space and our reality, and He's rescued us. He's led us. He's provided for us. He's our Lord. This isn't just a statement of, oh, Lord. It's our Lord, the God that we've experienced, the God that we know. You know, this is the God whose name is majestic, whose glory fills the whole world. Now, a name in, in, in the Hebrew idea is more than just letters and words. In fact, uh, when we named our daughter Jocelyn, who I don't think is here, which is probably just as well, we named her Jocelyn Kate, and some of the family members said, do you know what you have done? On best side, Jocelyn and Kate were the two probably strongest women you know, in the family. And uh, they said, do you know what you have just named? And what did they say? They, basically, it's not just letters. They're saying, Paul and Beth, it's not just letters, but names carry more than just a few letters. It carries a sense of who they are. And, and I don't know how that works, and I'm not trying to scientifically prove anything here, but the reality is in the same way God's name is not just a, a couple of letters, but it's a reflection of who He is. 
Who he is is, is, in, is in the name. It's a reflection of his character. And especially in this context, it's, it's his character, but also all that God has revealed about himself to people. That's the name. So when you said Yahweh, it's not just a few letters, but it's, it's Yahweh who has done this. Yahweh who has shown himself this way. Yahweh, it's, it's all these images and ideas and experiences of who God is. There's more than just letters to a name. So we might say, to translate it, is instead of, you know, uh, our, O Lord, our Lord, we might say, O Lord, whose nature, um, who the nature of and the truth about is revealed in the God who fills all the earth with all that he has done. We might add, the second verse would go, the sum of all that he is, great, beautiful, loving, just, etc., 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 is embedded in all that is. That's the idea of the name is the totality of who God is, um, is majestic, is, is beautiful, is wonderful, and there for us to be praised. It's not pantheism. It's not God is in all things. Um, you know, there's a little bit of God here, a little bit of God there. Um, but it's, it's much more of the idea uh, of what Romans chapter 1 talks about, if I can find quickly. Romans chapter 1, uh, verse 19 and 20, says this. It says, they know, they know the truth about God because He has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see His invisible qualities, His eternal power, His divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Psalm 19 also has a wonderful way of saying this. It says, the, heaven declare, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the, sky, the skies display His craftsmanship. The heavens declare it. And then it goes on and says, but there are no words, but it can be heard when you see the beauty of what is. You know, a worship song is like that, isn't it? A worship song... Um, for those who believe, you know, uh, is, is wonderful. It declares the greatness of who God is so that sometimes when you hear it, it awakens in you. Yes, that's, that's true, isn't it? And you start to worship. You start to remember the qualities of God. And so, although at the beginning of the song you might go, hmm, I'm not quite sure I'm ready for this. As the song picks up, and at the end of the song, you're like, yes, that's true. And it, it evokes a worship from us. It draws out the praise that God uh, desires and that God should have. But this psalm is a little different than that. It's, it has that in it, but it's a little different because uh, it's not content just without justification. It doesn't just proclaim something's true. It gives us evidence that it is true. And that's maybe something you hadn't thought about. You know, that, that a praise song might actually give us evidence and remind us that we know why we should be praising. So that as we think about it, we go, that's right. You know, so you wonder, what is that evidence? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you what that evidence is. Um, the evidence is found in verse 3. It says, When I look at the sky, the night sky, and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the sky that you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think of them, and human beings that you should care for them? You know, the psalmist is basically looking up, and maybe you've done this at the night sky without all the lights around, so they can see everything. And they say... He says, who am I? Who are we? Look at the vastness of this creation and look at the smallness of me. Who am I? 
What is my place? Where do I fit? With all these stars. You know, the reality is that some of those stars are bigger, you know, far bigger than our, than our sun. In fact, there's an estimate, and no one's counted, but there's an estimate that in our, in our galaxy, um, there are 100 billion stars. <laughs> you know? If you don't trust me, start counting some night in. You know, see how you do. You know? Uh, the vastness. And you know what it says? This is the, uh, the amazing thing here in the Scriptures. I hope you catch this. It says that God made these with His fingers. In other words, this vastness, this hugeness, this largeness, God made with a small part of who He is. Which says that God is much bigger even than the bigness of what we see around us. You know, on, on a human level, um, they, they say that approximately, they think, you know, they don't know, but about 100 billion people um, have lived you know, on the face of the earth. That's depending on how far you go back or whatever. You know, you don't have to like that. If you want 10 billion, that's fine. It doesn't make any difference to me. You pick a number. Even so, you're one in 10 billion. One in 100 billion. You know, one person is pretty insignificant in light of that vastness. And the psalmist brings us down to this, down to this reality and says, when you look at the world, when you see the way things are, what are you? What are you? Not much. You know, and there are a lot of, there are several different philosophies that go down this direction and basically say your life is meaningless. You know, I mean, get real. Look at the reality around you. And the psalmist starts off with that, with that reality, with that, with that evidence. And then, like the word but in the scriptures, B-U-T, you know, he uses this word Yet. And that means although this is true, what I said before, something is coming that you want to hear. Something is coming that is really, really important. And it says this, you know, but you, being God, made them just a little lower than God. And you crowned them people with glory and with honor. In other words, he's saying, who are these people? Who are we? We're nothing. And yet, God, you have taken these people and you've raised them up and taking them from where they would be and should be to make them just under you in terms of significance and importance and value and ability to do what is so important in this universe. We've been raised up from where we were. Um, imagine, think about, you just think about where do you think people fit on the food chain, really, without God raising us up? We're not very strong in comparison to a lot of animals. Our teeth are not that big. You know, uh, we don't have a lot of armor on. You know, really, we're pretty low down the food chain, aren't we? <laughs> Just on, on, a, on, a, on a natural animal kingdom reality. And yet, you know, why is it? Have you ever wondered why is it that we don't actually live down there, but we live far higher than that? The psalmist says, because God has taken you from where you could have been and should have been and raised you up to just below who he is and what he's like. He takes the nothing of creation, us, and gives us a place far higher than we deserved. And He calls us to be the caretaker of all of creation under God, who is the ultimate caretaker. But we are given that second position. It says, You gave them everything you made, putting all things under their authority, all animals on the land and the air and the sea and everything. See, the psalmist doesn't just say, you should praise God and just take my word for it. He says, think about where you should be. 
Think about where you are. How did you get there? You just think you're smarter, better, and then you just did that on your own? And the psalmist says, no. God raised you up. God put you up there. This is the God who is majestic and wonderful, beautiful and glorious. He has made us great. He has put us second place just beneath Him. That's who God is. That's what He has revealed about Himself. That's what His name reflects. And if you go back in the psalm, and I didn't want to bring this up until now, but there's just, in verse 2, there's this strange little thing about the, about the children you know, and infants. And, and those who are, uh, you know, against God, his enemies, and, and yet the children seem to be, uh, be, to be victorious. What that is, that's actually a connection with what we just saw. In other words, the weak thing. God, by his name, by his word, by who he is, will raise up so that he will defeat what seems to be the strong thing. So it's, it's adding evidence, you know. But for us, we don't think about it that way. But I'm just trying to help you see that's how the psalm fits together. Is, is he saying that the weakness of the babes and the, and the little things that they say because they're true of God will defeat the strong who are God's enemies. Just in the same way, because God raised up you as a weak person and made you and put you in an incredible, strong, and beautiful position. In short, our exalted place in creation far above, is far above what we should have. And it is proof that God's name, that His nature and who He is, is majestic and full of glory. This hymn gives us perspective, doesn't it? Maybe you hadn't really wondered why people play such a predominant part in this world. Now you know. But what you also need to realize is that we're prominent, but we are second to God. See, this gives us perspective. Are we really important to what, God, what the world is? Yes. Do we have a valued position? Yes. Do we deserve it? No. But we're not above God. We don't... You know, you would think that we'd be raised to this level and go, isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful? It's so much more than what I want. But you know what we do? We go, that's nice, but I want the top spot. And so we rebel. And when you think about where we should be and what God has done for us and that we rebel against that and want Him out of the way, it, it just kind of goes to show how sad and sick and con- condemnable our actions are when we say no to God or we say God you don't exist or say God you know I don't want to follow your way because of what he's done for us we are the one being in the universe who should be able to see the universe and see what God has done and how he's been incredibly generous to us and praise him you know, and desire not to dishonor him, but say, you know what? I want to give you praise and glory because of what you've done. The psalmist says, people, look around you. Look around at the world. See the vastness and the bigness and see that you should not have the place that you do, but God has raised you up. And because of that, you, of all people, of all creation, have a reason to praise And to say, God, your name, your nature, your character, what you've done is wonderful and glorious and deserving of all that I am. Like the beauty of looking over the Mont Blanc Valley and going, wow, the beauty of what you've done for us should evoke a far greater wow. Wonderful. What a great 
and glorious God you are. We are called to come to see who God is and to praise Him for the greatness of who He is. But to also praise Him for the greatness of what He has done for us and His greatness as Creator in all that He has done. Then from the heart we can cry out, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. Not truth that You've heard from beyond You, but truth that You have experienced. And now from the bottom of your heart, have every reason to celebrate the greatness of who God is in praise and in celebration. He is worthy of it. And that is our call. That is our history. And it is our privilege to praise and glorify Him. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? <laughs> Father, so often we are so involved in the nitty-gritty of all the little things and challenges and frustrations and the brokenness of life and ourselves that we forget the big picture. We forget that you have exalted us to an incredible place just under you. That you have called us to, to be able to care for all of your creation that you have made with you as the ultimate caretaker. And that we don't deserve it. Father, we of all people should give you praise because we can see and experience and know the great truth of how you have led us, how you have taught us. Open our eyes. Help us to see. Give us a sense of joy, excitement, but also humility and a desire to serve. For you are great and your name is majestic. Your glory which you share with us and the honor which is due you that you give to us Let us celebrate it in praise to you. In Jesus' name, amen.